Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Amen. Amen. Giants still fall this morning. Amen. Well, so good to have everyone watching online this morning to our service and those of you in Crookston as well. Why don't we just give a round of applause for our brothers and sisters in Crookston. We love you guys. And obviously, everybody tuning in, we love you guys too, but just great to be here this morning. Man, Giants still fall. If you are been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that Pastor Nathan kicked off two weeks ago a sermon series entitled Giants Still Fall, and Pastor Nathan and Mary did a great job last week as well, continuing that. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's really just had an effect on me just to stir up my, just my passion to go, to go hard after the Lord. You know, I don't want to miss out on anything. You, know, you, you hear of these stories in Scripture of, of just the Lord fighting battles for people. And it just has an effect on my heart just to, just to yearn for the Lord, to cry out to Him, just to kind of lay my own self at the altar and at the cross and just say, I'm not enough. I'm not enough, Lord. It makes me ask hard questions like, who, who is fighting my battles? Who is fighting my giants? Is it nobody? Is it me? Or is it the Lord? And I find that unless you ask hard questions, you don't often get a real answer. So who's really fighting the giants in my life? And the Lord has done some amazing things in my life. But to be honest, I see the giants that are still standing. And I say, I just want all that I can have of the Lord. I don't want to miss out on anything that the Lord has for me. A lot of times I can just cope with life. Kind of the running joke in my home is that I can cope with quite a lot. (laughs) Uh, But I don't want to cope. I want the best, all that the Lord has for me. And I know that you want that as well. And so what do we do? What do we do? Well, this sermon series is all about kind of our approach to things. And so the way I would answer another just segment of this sermon series, what do we do? How do we face these giants and just really call upon the strength of the Lord? My answer is in the contents of this bag. So I'll reveal that to you now. Here it is. Buckle up. (laughs) So... What is the first thing, this is, not, this is not as audience participation as it was earlier, it's more rhetorical, but what is wrong with this ball? Right, it's pink. What else? <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, you know, it doesn't really balance, but it's, it's flat, obviously. This ball is flat. And so we'd all agree on that. So I'm sure we'd all say, answer the question, what is the solution to this ball being flat? We would say you'd air it up. Right? So the principles we have just covered with this ball, quite rudimentary, but in actuality are quite revolutionary when applied to your life. Because what you see wrong with this ball, there's two different worlds at play here. There's a physical world or a physical realm and a non-physical realm. What you can see and feel and touch represents the physical aspects of this ball, like the rubber or whatever this is made of. 
That tells you something's wrong. But none of you would offer as a solution to manipulate the physical. No one would think, just pull the physical a little further out and that will fix your problem. Because as you can see, the more you manipulate the physical, it's just kind of a spinning your tires. You can't really get to the real root of the issue. But we all agree the solution is to actually manipulate something that you can't see. You can call a whole nother world to this ball, and that's the inside of it, the air that's inside of it, and to pump more air or to put it into a warmer room or whatever will fix the problem. And so we live a similar situation where there's a physical realm that we occupy and a non-physical realm, or we call that the spiritual realm. And the giants in our life are perceptible in the physical realm, what we can touch and see and feel and hear. We recognize giants. But too often we approach these physical giants with physical solutions. And we try to manipulate our physical surroundings in this physical realm rather than tune into the non-physical realm or the spiritual realm and try to engage in a whole nother dimension that has significant bearing on the outcome of our life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. There is a physical realm and a non-physical realm, or a, like I said, a spiritual realm. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that says this. You can put it on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, that means in this physical realm, Though we live there and walk there, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine, spiritually empowered power to destroy strongholds. So though we live in a physical realm, we are not waging war in the physical realm per se. There's a whole other realm that we are engaged in, in order to bring about the good plans of the Lord in our life. So we're going to look at that today. And two different characters are going to represent two different realms in our story today. We've been looking at David, that he really encompasses a spiritually minded approach to life. And what I mean by spiritually minded, I mean an approach to life that recognizes that there's a God. There's a big God. And relationship with him dictates our responses to things. So David's going to represent the divine weapons and the spiritual mindedness, and another character named Saul is going to represent more of the approach of the natural realm or the flesh, the approach of the physical realm. So if you have access to the Word of God this morning, you can turn to 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, just a couple books into the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 17 where we've been looking at the story of David and Goliath and pulling a lot of concepts for our battle against our giants. 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to look at the different perspectives that each realm offers you. So if your mind is stayed on what you can see and touch and taste and feel and smell, you have a different perspective than if you're tuned in by the Spirit, what the Word of God says and what's real in the spiritual realm. So let's look at the different perspective of Saul and David. So this is when 
If you remember the story, the Israelites and the Philistines are kind of gathered for war. Goliath, the big Philistine champion, has come out in about 40 days of taunting Israel and their God, saying, if someone will fight me and if he beats me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I beat him, you'll be our slaves. So 40, year, 40 days, kind of a stalemate. And then David comes on the scene and he says, hey, what are we doing about this guy? And so he's kind of talking like we should take care of this thing. Take care of this man. And so verse 31 picks up the story. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. Now Saul is the king of Israel. He's actually the first king of Israel. Prior to that, there were judges that ruled, but they weren't necessarily the king status. But this is the first actual king over Israel. And so Saul said, well, bring him in. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, that is Goliath. Your servant, meaning himself, David, will go and fight with this Philistine. Just love that boldness, love that courage, that conviction. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Why? For you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Now we're going to pause there. And I want you to see Saul is, has a perspective on this situation. And he gives us his reasonings. David's a young boy, probably small and inexperienced in the ways of formal combat. Goliath over here is big, he's old, he's hairy, like Pastor Nathan said, probably ugly. <laughs> and he's been trained in formal combat from the time he was a little shaver. So Saul's perspective is very much cued in on physical realities that are not false. Those are true, probably. Those are true. And so Saul's conclusion is you can't fight him. You cannot win. Now let's look at David's perspective. But David said to Saul, the king, mind you, the king, your servant, meaning himself, used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions, plural, and bears, plural, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. That is a different perspective on the same situation. And David said, the Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So we see David, David's perspective is born out of his relationship with God. He doesn't deny the facts that Saul presented. What he does instead is he offers up a perspective that is born out of his relationship with God. He says, but you, what you don't know is that God has actually led me in various victories along the way that are enough to convince me that he will be with me today. You see, you should... Choose your perspective of on life in prayer. 
You should choose your perspective of life in prayer. Meaning you should choose the facts that weigh the heaviest on your heart in your relationship with the Lord, in your communion with God. So you should filter what you see in life or in your life through the lens of your relationship with God. What, what would my relationship with God have to say about this thing? You see, I can guarantee you, Saul's perspective was not born out of prayer. Was not born out of his relationship with God. But born out of his relationship with his fear. His relationship with the physical realm. The relationship of the all too often atheistic mindset that we fall into. We never say there's no God. But sometimes we act that way. But David had a perspective born out of his prayer, born out of his relationship with the Lord. And thankfully, David's perspective won out. Because Saul's like, okay, go and the Lord be with you. I don't know if in his mind that was like a death sentence, like, like bless your heart. All right, you go. <laughs> or if he was convicted and said, yeah, the Lord be with you, David. I wish, I wish I could have been more help for that, but you're right. The Lord be with you. The Lord is able to bring up a whole different perspective in our life than we could have on our own. I remember when I was in the Twin Cities, and I was wanting to go to seminary, a kind of formal theological education, and there was two different seminaries that I was able to apply to. One was... I would say a little easier to get into, just kind of a bigger school, bigger enrollment, class sizes. And the other one was much smaller and it was, was my preferred choice. Like that, man, that would be the place to really go and to devote these years to the Lord to. That would be the place. But when I looked into it, what I saw was this particular seminary only allowed 15 guys each year. And it's a pretty well-known, prestigious People there, like 15 is pretty small. Okay. That's, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a dime a dozen kind of guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not like a 15 out of a thousand kind of person. But the other thing was, they required a whole year of biblical Greek, meaning you had to be formally taught through some university or whatever, some, somehow, a whole year of biblical Greek before you could be admitted. And guess how many years months, weeks, days, I had studied biblical Greek. Zero. All I knew was agape, which meant love. And there's a verse in the Gospel of John about that somewhere. So immediately, boom, done, over. So I went to the next one. And I remember driving to, the, to this other seminary to enroll for classes for the year. And as I was driving, I was actually really excited about learning biblical Hebrew. This school had a, like an immersion course where you could like, I don't know, talk Hebrew to each other <laughs> and learn biblical Hebrew that way. Uh, I was really excited about it. So I was going to go, I was going to sign up for a Hebrew, sign up for all these other courses. And on my way, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to sign up for Greek and give this other seminary a chance. 
Like, I'm no mathematician, but I know I cannot cram a year's worth of Greek into the next month. But it just felt like the Lord. Take. And that's what it sounded like. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) You are really entering the story. So I get get to the admissions place, and I sign up for Greek. And I asked, is there a way that I could take a Greek in a year? They said no. Like, are you sure? Because the like little bubbly sound <laughs> seems to say you can. They said, well, you could take a night class and you could take it in a year. Okay. So I signed up for a night Greek class. And I don't know what's going to come of it, just did it. And so the next, over the next couple months, start taking Greek and start taking classes. And you know that feeling where you just know you're not where you belong? I, I, didn't, I wasn't where I belonged. I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And the thought, just this other seminary kept coming. And I thought, but I haven't taken the whole year yet. And so a long story, but what ended up happening is I applied to this other seminary, and they accepted me, contingent on the fact that I finished the year and pass. <laughs> and I ended up, before I got accepted, canceling all my classes from the first seminary that I was enrolled to, knowing that this would set me way back, but just on the impression that this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And it's a long story, but I ended up getting accepted to the seminary of my, my dreams, whatever, and it, it worked out. But you notice the perspective shift. There are pieces of data here that would have just, in my heart, said, can't happen, cannot happen. But then the Lord, through relationship and through prayer, brings up a different perspective and says, I want you to go for it. And the perspective that is most motivating or convincing to you will probably be the route you choose. And my encouragement this morning is to choose your perspective in prayer. Choose how you see life and which direction to take in prayer. That doesn't mean you have to figure out all the answers in your 30 minutes of prayer each day, but over the course of your day, as you're in communion, you're recognizing your relation with God in prayer. How about the next one? So Saul is convinced, let's give it a go. David says, this giant's beatable. Saul's like, it's not beatable. And then he's convinced, the Lord be with you. But David's struggle with Saul is not over. Verse 38. Then, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Things are probably pretty heavy and cumbersome. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. So here's the picture. This shepherd boy has probably never put on armor, formal armor, a a helmet of bronze. I don't know how heavy bronze is or a helmet of bronze. Doesn't sound like something that'd be terribly comfortable, easy to walk in. He got a coat of mail, armor on his chest, a big sword that he's probably never used before as a shepherd. And so here's David strapped in whose armors? It's Saul's armor. And who put him on him? Saul. And so after you've 
choose your perspective in prayer, you also have to choose your weapons in prayer. You see, once you see a giant and you're in belief that God can slay him, your approach also has to be born out of prayer. We are never safe on our own. You see, Saul, again, not out of his relationship with the Lord, just says, well, you're going into battle. Everyone who battles wears armor and has a sword, and so i got to give you armor and a sword. That's not bad advice. I mean, there could be worse things to go to war with. I mean, you know, sword's not a bad option. The only thing bad about it was it wasn't born out of prayer. It wasn't a strategy that was born out of relationship with God. It was purely man's plan. And you can have the best plan of man and have it just reach the basement of God's best plan. You can have man's best plan or you can have God's plan. So choose your weapons in prayer. Again, it's not like you have to go every morning, I'm going to get all my answers in this 15 minutes of prayer. But it's more reflective of you are living life recognizing there's a God, he's got a plan, and he knows what to use. And so David, being a shepherd, says, I've never used this stuff. I don't know how to use it. And so he doesn't feel the need to force something just because someone told him to do it. Or this has worked for other people in the past. Or this is how everybody does it. He hadn't tested it. It wasn't familiar to him. What he slayed the lion with was the Lord. What he slayed the bear with was his, in relationship with the Lord. And so he put it off. That's important. He put it off. He took that plan off. And he set it down. He didn't say, I'm going to kind of do this thing, but I, I'm also going to use my slings. I think that's what the Lord wants me to do. You can't really wield a sword and a sling at the same time. You have to put one down. Say, I don't think this is the route the Lord has really spoken to me. So I'm going to stop pursuing it. I'm going to lay it down. And I'm going to take up what the Lord is birthing in me as his strategy for success. Now, David isn't saying this sword is bad. Because once David becomes king, he uses a sword. I think this is probably the last time he actually uses a sling in battle. <laughs> but David learns how to wield a sword. He learns how to wear armor. He learns how to wear a helmet. And guess what? As he leads the armies in battle, that's what he uses. So we can't get into this. We have to be really careful. We can't get into this rut of these are always good strategies. These are always bad strategies. The only bad strategies are the ones that are born out of prayerlessness. Because you can put on armor and a shield, and if it's not the Lord's will, you're probably going to get smashed. But you could also put on the armor and the sword if you know how to use it, and it's God's plan for your life, and be successful. So the thing I see in here is not necessarily what was used, but the approach. He wasn't familiar. This wasn't what the Lord was bringing him to do. So what does he do? 
Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, common thing for a shepherd, and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Choose your weapons in prayer. I just think, how often have I or we just ran out ahead? Just ran out ahead. We were given the armor by somebody. That's the way everybody does it. It's worked for other people in the past. So I'm just going to go for it. Without really stopping and bring it to the Lord and say, God, what are you, what are you desiring for me? What is your weapon that you want me to use? What is being birthed in me from my relationship with the Lord in this? That makes all the difference. If you have a word from the Lord, you can take that to the bank. If you feel you have a word from the Lord, that can see you through any storm, any giant to the other side. But if you're fueled by your own plans or the plans of man, that will fall way short. In prayer. And even at my time at Freedom, I've seen this play out in kind of some interesting ways. One of the, I guess the main ways I think is, there was an individual that came up for prayer, uh, and her and her husband had been really seeking a long time for, for help. So the wife had a, just a really, I don't remember what the situation was, but had a bum knee of some sort. And they were a young couple, and she just had a knee problem, knee pain, just constant knee pain. I don't remember what the situation was, but they came forward for prayer. They couldn't find any doctors that knew what to do. They just have tried things. Nothing worked, nothing worked, nothing worked. So they came up for prayer. And so we prayed over that knee. And we spoke life and healing in Jesus' name that the power of God would be manifested in this situation, in this knee, in Jesus' name. And the Lord gave me some verses to speak over it. And we just had an awesome time of prayer. And then they left, and not a couple weeks later, came back, and they said, look at her knee. And there was an incision. They said, out of the blue, we were contacted by this, this doctor or someone, and they knew what to do, and they did it, and it's, it's like, it's perfect. And the Lord provided. And I was like, amen. And you can see the look on their faith of just relief of just finally, we figured, we found our answers. And I believe it was because they brought it to the Lord. Now fast forward, another individual comes forward, totally separate, for prayer for knee pain. This is a plaguing knee pain. And so we pray over it, we speak the life of Jesus, we command healing in Jesus' name, and we minister to that knee, and not a few days later, totally healed, 100%, through prayer. Walking around like normal, 100% a couple days later. We say, amen, the Lord provided that. And so sometimes we think, okay, which approach should I do if I have knee pain? Do you know the only consistent thing about that was prayer? To bring giants or needs before the Lord and to speak life in Jesus' name, knowing that God has grace to help us in time of need? And I'm not claiming to know how the Lord will always do it. 
But I know he knows what's best for each person, for each situation, and he means life and breakthrough for each person. And if we find our perspective and find our weapons in prayer, we have a strong divine support. We've prayed with people here that through prayer have seen breakthroughs with jobs in a matter of days, nothing to just the dream job. We've seen applications overnight, prayed over in the name of Jesus, sent through, which had months and months of delays. And we've just seen awesome things happen through prayer. Now, the road isn't always the same, but prayer is always a consistent theme, bringing things before the Lord so that he can just minister them by his power. And like I said at the beginning, it really challenges me. It, just, it challenges me and stirs me up to say, gosh, I want more. I want to live sold out. I want to offer everything before the Lord and let him guide me. Man, can you imagine to have the Lord's mighty strength at every turn? That's unstoppable as we tap into the weapons God has given us in prayer by his spirit. So I'm going to invite the band up. You guys can come back up. And there are many opportunities to really offer things before the Lord. We have every service, as you know, we have opportunities to come for prayer. We have Wednesday night, every week, prayer at 7 o'clock. Where we really lean in and just unplug from the world and offer things before the Lord and pray for one another. It's amazing. And we've seen miracles happen through our Wednesday night prayer times. And we have Eye Encounter coming up in a couple weeks. And I just encourage you, man, what, whatever you have, whatever's going on in your life, if there's, if there's financial struggles, if there's career decisions, if there's operations or surgeries or medications or illnesses, whatever is in your life, Man, just to come and have people pray over it. May the Lord's best come as a result. May the Lord's hand be on this. And let the Lord's blessing come upon it. We would love just to pray for anything and everything, to bring it under the wings of prayer and let the Lord really take control of those situations because he really has grace for us. But what I would like to do now is just to... As the band, you can just start kind of playing. I want to give us an opportunity to come before the Lord. And obviously, if you come before the Lord, whatever you feel led to do, you can do. But I would encourage us to really, really confess to the Lord any prayerlessness. Just to take this morning an opportunity to come and say, you know what, God? Nine times out of ten, I just do my own thing. Nine times out of ten, I just do what worked in the past. Nine times out of ten, I just do what other people did. Nine times out of ten, I just do what everyone else does. And I'm sorry, Lord. I found myself at times this week just come before the Lord and saying, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. To really understand what we have in Christ. Would I ever go a day on my own? And so if you feel led, you can feel free to sit in your chair or stand. Or you can come to the stage here. We call it an altar. Not because there's more of the Lord up here than back there, but 
I found a lot of times when you do something with your body, it just kind of connects the whole being. And so if you wanted to come and during this closing song and just kneel and say, God, forgive me for my prayerlessness. Man, forgive me for taking on the weapons of man and just ignoring you. And this is a great place to lay down the weapons of man, to lay down the plans of man, to lay down the purposes that were born in our own heart and mind and say, God, I'm ready for what for what you would have for me. I'm ready for you to chart the course. I'm ready for you to give the leading and the direction. And so if you feel so led during this closing song, feel free to come up and just just be with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we Father, we do recognize that our hearts are often self-sufficient. And our perspective is often born out of what we can see rather than the eyes of faith. So Father, forgive us, but God, fill us with your spirit that as we lay aside the plans of man, that we would truly take up the words of God, the approach and the weapons of God, that as we stand and face Goliath, we don't have a plan or a thought of our own creation, but as we face that ugly, hairy giant in the face, we could say in the name of the Lord, you will fall. I've heard from my God, and he has told me that you are movable, that you will fall, and I will cut off your head in the name of the Lord that this would come from your spirit, Father. So Lord, empty us, empty us of all our own selves and just fill us afresh with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.